Welcome to Walking with the Archetypes, the podcast which gives you keys to claiming your personal power. For more than a decade now, I've studied the King, Warrior, Magician, Lover archetypes, and in this time of great turmoil, I will reveal their secrets. My name is Ivan Fingenskjær-Schellum, founder of Men's Initiation, Reclaim Your Inner Throne, and it's time now to head outside and walk with the archetypes. Walking around here in nature, close to my home, hearing the speedboats, having fun out on the bay here. It feels like a lifetime ago since I recorded the last podcast. I have been out in the wild. I've learned to survive on my own. Learned various techniques of getting food, of setting fire, finding medicine building shelters, navigating the terrain, understanding different climatic zones, and so on and so forth. And it's been a hell of an educational experience for me. And since it's been so impactful, I will go a little bit off topic this week and won't necessarily speak specifically about archetypes, but rather the general theme of being in the wild and surviving off of the land and feeling connected to the land, feeling confident in nature. Because I feel very confident that this is going to be something that has a massive impact on your level of grounding and your level of confidence in your life, as it already has for me. So let's dive in. I've been wanting to do one of these wilderness survival trainings for many years now, but never really found the initiative to do so. We don't have trainings like this in Norway that I've found online anyway. I'm sure we can find experts in Norway that would be able to take me out in the woods or in the wilds in this way, but it's just not a very well-known offering in Norway. And I have seen over the years that there are offerings in Sweden. And now that I actually live in Sweden, it was time for me to check one of these out. And so I went to a company called True Nature Sweden, run by a fun and very knowledgeable Belgian bloke. His name is William. And he was the course leader for us, for our small group over these last six days or so. We went there on Saturday, came back on Thursday. So we headed about an hour, a little bit over an hour outside of Stockholm to a pretty secluded place in the woods. It was a beautiful lake there without any farms or animals around it. So the water was drinkable. There wasn't any wasn't any forestry happening and so there wasn't contamination from anything and so I learned very early on to drink straight from the lake and even though it was tasting a little bit earthy my belly was quite fine with it after one day of making some rumbling somewhat upset sounds everything was fine and so um, we, we were a group of seven, including the instructor. And I was surprised and delighted to find that a couple of days before the training started, Michelle, uh, my partner, uh, she was curious about this training. And I started to explain to her some of the things that we would be doing. We would learn to set traps. We would learn to 
set uh, fishing lines into the lake. We would learn to find medicine in nature. We would learn to find various mosquito repellents. We would learn to find rope in nature. We would learn to build shelter in nature. We would learn to navigate. We would learn about different climatic zones. We would learn about setting a fire and what the best kind of tinder would be. And we would learn about water, distilling water, and when we needed to do that, and so on and so forth. So that she was uh, very excited when she heard all of this. And being someone who's um, who is a city city girl, city woman to begin with, you know, from Hong Kong uh, initially, and then living in Florida and Chicago and San Francisco. Yeah, I was just surprised to find that she was uh, interested, but. Last minute, she hopped on board and we went there together. So it was me and it was uh, Michelle, a small tent, and then five other five other people. Uh, we had uh, just a lovely group to preserve anonymity. I won't say so much about them, but it was a diverse group from many nations. And no Swedes, surprisingly. But I think we all came there because we felt called to the wild somehow. One man felt like the life that he'd been living for a while was getting kind of stale and he wanted to discover himself anew. And I think that theme, that general theme, was more or less present for people, there was also the theme of the possibility of our systems and infrastructure collapsing in the not too distant future. We have many potential future timelines ahead of us, but as I've already mentioned in previous podcasts, I do see this one as somewhat likely. So we were all gathered there with the intention of becoming self-sustaining feeling more freedom, probably feeling more powerful and confident in ourselves and in our connection with nature and I would say with ourselves. So it was a great group. We had so much fun and uh, I could see many of these people change day by day. And uh, William, he had uh, set up a, a really inspiring program for us over these six days. Uh, he would... Um, tell us about the four pillars of survival in nature. Fire, shelter, food and water. Also navigation was one of them, I'd say. Uh, but uh, these were the four primary pillars. And in the particular environment that we were in, the order that we would need to address these would be fire first, and then to start ensuring that there was some kind of shelter available then to get food and then finally get to water. That was the recommended order in which to address the needs of this particular climatic zone. And of course, we were super close to a lake there, so water was readily available. And when you're in nature and something is abundant, say that you are in a place in nature where there's just tons of food available, maybe fresh fruits or plenty of animals that you can hunt with whatever you have, then that isn't on the top of the list of priorities. I think that makes sense to you, yeah? 
And so if you are in a very Arctic climate, you don't want to start looking for water first because of course you know that you can get water from melting snow. But also you will have to ensure that you have some kind of shelter from the wind. So in an Arctic climate, you would start creating a basic shelter before you start the fire. And so we would go through these kinds of principles, which I found to be very, very valuable. And so that ended up being the structure of the training that we, uh, we took part in, uh, learning first about fire, learning about birch trees and how the bark of a birch tree can be turned into the most perfect tinder. You know, you scrape the bark of the birch tree so that the white stuff comes off and you gather it in a little pile and then you can use a flint to get it burning. And we had all kinds of other tricks for starting and maintaining a beautiful fire. We have been teaching the men inside of the Reclaiming a Throne membership how to use a flint or a ferro rod in order to set fire to, to tinder and, and thus build a fire. But you know, it's, it's not really been a big focus for me. That's been more of a ritual thing for us to do. But now in the, in the wild, understanding the importance of wood, what kind of wood, what kind of tinder should be added to the flame and in what order, what burns better, you know, did the distance to hold it, and so on and so forth. Of course, the, the fire needs oxygen. Very, very, very valuable information. And, you know, in, in this so-called civilized world, we, we have such easy access to fire. But when you're out in nature, fire is really the difference between life and death. So it's essential information to have to feel fully confident in your capacity to survive independent of the systems. So the, the second part of it was shelter and Michelle and I, we would build this beautiful shelter together and he, he called it an Arctic shelter. And I will be sure to post some photographs of this in the Telegram community group for the, the podcast. And yeah, food, food, man, food is such a big deal in nature. And we learned about some fairly gross things, but <laughs> you know, also some good ways to circumvent the grossness. So we've learned to create protein powder from bugs, earthworms, whatever slugs and snails and wasps that you need to prepare a little bit, taking off their wings and their legs and the stingers, bumblebees and so on and so forth. And to, to prepare them, stirring it into like a stew and then drying it and making it into protein powder. That kind of blew my mind uh, that we can make bug protein powder. But I'm probably never going to do this, but even, even knowing how to do it is quite empowering. We learn to set snares and how to fish in very basic ways without a fishing rod. And uh, we even caught some fish, which was fun. And all in all, the food chapter was very interesting. And uh, after the break, I will tell you the big lessons about survival that I have uh, come to, as well as the clear insight that having this kind of competency 
is so important in today's world. It may not seem that way, but I will get back to that after the break. So talk to you soon. Good news, guys. We are leaving Facebook. Due to the obvious and egregious censorship, the kind of collusion with autocratic government, it's just making it untenable to utilize Facebook for any kind of community or training delivery platform. And so we have set up a new community space that I now invite you into. We are going to officially open this up in the near future, but as a listener to the Walking with the Archetypes podcast, you get an early adopter invite. So join us inside of Sanctuary today, a place without lies and deception, where we have the kinds of conversations about truth and what matters in life that you want to have, and where you can also experience group coaching, for free and also paid membership programs training is going to be a powerful place go to members.innerthrone.com today to register i'll see you there one of the things that i'm left with that is quite profound after this experience is just how thin the line that separates life from death truly is There were a couple of occasions over this period where something as simple as a knot, a knot that went a little bit wrong, that that could be what ended me, ended Michelle and myself, ended whoever was there. As we were setting one of these night lines into the lake, we were fishing with five hooks with earthworms on each of them. And the, the line that we had wasn't uh, complete. And so I had to make a knot in order to ensure that these two lines were continuous, that they were long enough and we could take it all the way into the lake. And I used one of the knots. I don't remember the name of this one in English. It's called Botmansknop in Norwegian. It's one of the basic knots that I learned back in the Boy Scouts that I still remember. And it's a very powerful knot because when you connect two ropes with this knot, pulling on either side of the knot just makes the knot firmer and harder the more strength you apply. And so I assumed that this would be just a fantastic knot. And I made it, felt very confident, put it into the lake, and I was like, let's get some fish. And next morning, when we pulled up the night line, We would pull it hard in case there were fish on the hooks so so as to ensure they would attach to the hooks properly. Just one of the many tricks that we learned. We pulled it up or I pulled it up and there was nothing there. The knot that I had made the previous day was was, uh, opened and I couldn't understand why because this is a knot that is just super strong when you pull the rope in opposite directions, which was the frame that I was in, I didn't contemplate that this nightline could wiggle back and forth a little bit in the in the subtle currents of the water, or even that the moisture of the lake could have an impact on the knot. And so the knot opened up, which like blew my mind. And if I were in a genuine survival scenario there and 
I didn't have the capacity to retrieve the line, which I ended up doing, I would have had five excellent hooks, potentially with fish on them, that were gone forever. Because I made a silly, stupid mistake with a knot. That didn't shake me so much, but on the second to last day, we practiced navigation. I was given a route on the map through a terrain that was incredibly challenging. High grass up to my waist and sometimes up to my knees. And every step or two, there might be a hole that I could fall into and break my legs. There was a river there that I had to cross. Um, just muddy, nasty river. I tried to make some makeshift bridges to get to this little island that looked like a little island in the middle of the river, but it turned out to just be like a, just like a floating piece of reed. So I stepped onto the island and just fell in and got soaked all over and I was demoralized as hell there. And when I finally got over to the other side by creating myself two long walking sticks and balancing across a, a fallen tree, basically, I got to the other side and ensured that my knife, I bought this beautiful knife and um, attached it to my bag with a knot that I had full trust in. And that terrain, because it was so impassable, stole my knife. It took my knife and that knife is now somewhere on the ground under all of these long reeds, this tall grass. And in that moment, I had a, I had a fucking hell moment. I'm in deep shit. I'm in trouble. And that was the beauty of this, this training that I had, that I even had the potential to go to that place. Because I lost a knife because of a bad knot. And losing a knife in a survival scenario, you're dead. If that's your only knife, you're fucking dead. And so I was searching for that knife and I couldn't find it. And in the end, I was just glad that this wasn't a genuine scenario that I would know how to get back to our camp by the lake. And still, that feeling of having been sloppy due to a lack of skill in tying that knot or the lack of foresight to bring a carabiner to attach my knife to the strap on my backpack, that, that could have killed me. And these are the lessons we don't get in civilized society. We just don't. Where you have the opportunity to realize just how much a small thing can fuck up your life. Like, like literally kill you. And so to have the presence of mind and the skills to navigate the situations and the, the understanding of how much details matter now seemed to me utterly essential. And so that broke my spirits quite a bit, realizing that I essentially got myself potentially killed in that situation. And so I got a bit lost and I ended up, 
I ended up in marshland swamps. I got blisters on my feet. I was just like, fucking hell, this is horrible. And I had to speak to myself and sing in order to keep my spirits high because something clicked in my mind where, where I started to sort of gather misery that I could tell some stories afterwards. And I just like, hey, you, you want to kill yourself by focusing your mind on the stories of misery that you can tell afterwards? Again, you know, something to see in myself, something to see in myself that our minds can get so whack that it would, rather than focus on survival, it could be focusing on like, oh, how people will miss me when I'm gone or all oh, the great stories that I can tell when I've suffered through all of this or whatever. It's just kind of insane. I didn't know that that lived in me. But anyway, I got back. It was late and I'd walked almost 30,000 steps that day. It was the longest I'd walked for a long while. But back to the first part of that walk, which was just beautiful for me. Such an empowering experience. As you probably know as a listener to this podcast, I have a strong connection with nature. And even though I haven't had a lot of survival skills with nature... Um, I have a kind of a shamanic connection with it and maybe you do as well maybe that's why you're listening to this though we had the we had the challenge to find a lake uh, it was it was an introductory challenge but you know I wasn't quite sure if I was reading the map correctly where we were because it was a pretty low low detail map unfortunately it was a, a poor print but we got to this terrain where I could start feeling more moisture in the air. And there would be colder winds coming over the hilltop uh, towards me. And William had already taught us that winds often come from lakes. And so I felt the moisture in the air. I felt those winds come. And I gathered there must be a lake on the other side of that hill. And we were three people there then, and we got on the other side of that hill, not having known where we were exactly, and the lake was right there. And to, to be able to actually feel nature in such a way that you can sniff out water, you can sniff out rivers, you can feel if there's a lot of rock around, you know, that, that there, is a, there is a signature to wood, to rock, to water to the open air, you know, as if you can feel that there will be an open landscape further up. So maybe, okay, so we're going to arrive by a lake, a forestry area, maybe it's even a civilization, could be a valley, could be whatever. To, to have the capacity to feel nature, I find incredibly compelling. And I've sometimes wondered if the ancients, the indigenous cultures of the world, as they were learning about what plants they could eat or the kind of communication they had with the animals, if really they were just so attuned to the nature that they could literally feel it, that there was a communication happening there that is no longer alive in our culture because we have become too quote-unquote civilized. Anyway, coming back with blisters, I sort of assumed that that was the end of the story and that Michelle and I would finally get to sleep in the shelter which we had built. But 
at around 11.30, just as I was going to bed, one of the people in the group came running down the hill saying, you have to come, you have to come. There's a forest fire. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's just it sounds crazy. And turned out that a forest fire had started. We don't know how. Uh, we don't know how it happened, but it had started some way away from our camp. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the midst of a flaming inferno. And my adrenaline shot way up high. The, the area was full of smoke. Flames were already licking up along the trunks of trees. And, and we were literally at the very threshold of seeing this fire spread in an uncontrolled fashion. And I was fresh on the scene and I didn't have much experience with fires like this. So at first I was demoralized. I thought, oh, fuck, there's no way we're going to be able to stop this. But then I ran right into the midst of the fire and I started working on the biggest fire. I didn't have anything other than my shoes. So we were just stomping on fire and uh, there's tons of smoke and like a dumbass, I was going for the biggest fire. And then the people had been there for a while. They understood that Ivan, you, 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 you need to you understand the situation here better. So come out on the perimeter and let's work on the moss on the edges. And so we would be stomping on the moss around this big area where flames were just burning like an inferno. And, and we would stop them. I think we were four or five people that were like stepping like crazy. Some of us were just melting our shoes. And, um, you know, we, we were, we were in, in a precarious situation there. So this was after having already done almost 30,000 steps that day and having been in all of these survival scenarios and all of a sudden we're there fighting a bushfire that would have no question taken over that whole wood, like that whole forest. Praise is lucky that we found it in time because we, have, we could have gone to bed and had that fire start taking our tents or our shelters, you know. Again, it was a reminder of the thin line that separates life from death. So that was a remarkable experience. We, we did a fantastic job as a team. And we basically saved that forest from burning to the ground. And when the local fire department came, they were just like, good job, guys, good job. We take it from here. And we did well. We stopped it. And... I learned some lessons about putting out a bushfire by merely stomping on flames. So that was a hell of an adventure. At the end of the day, nature gives and nature takes. And this would be an appropriate place to pull in the archetypes that we work with here in this podcast. We're receiving from nature trusting that nature provides is that lover quality of connecting with nature and being open to receiving whereas the capacity to to keep going when we're tired to build a shelter to keep the um, the elements away and all of that is the resilience and focus of the warrior archetype of course in terms of the magician capacity to connect with nature and to see patterns and to set traps and all these things is, is crucial. And finally, if you are with a group, the 
archetype of the king is so important. When I arrived on the scene of that fire, I was, I was, I was a dumbass because I hadn't been introduced to the the situation. But when one of the other men who was present there, who understood the situation better than me, he started shouting me instructions. So he took the king, and by being willing to take the king in that in that place to take the leadership role, I was able to navigate the situation. I was able to, shall we say, fall in line and become part of the team. And then together we managed to save the day. And so all of these archetypes are important in a survival scenario. But to end with some of my main takeaways, the line that separates life from death is very thin. And life can turn into death with the smallest error. It's a huge takeaway. But another takeaway that I want you to bring to heart is when you are dependent on the systems, the infrastructures that you live in, in the so-called civilized world, you are also a slave to them. And you could be threatened by the collapse of those systems to become a slave and to start doing cruel things to other human beings because you don't know how to survive other than perhaps to kill other people or to become a sheep in the forces of tyranny. I don't want you to think that this is so unlikely because we're moving into that phase of this transition, of this phase shift, where more and more people will be trained to hate other human beings for being different than them. Perhaps for having a different take on the vaccine, for having a different take on politics. It is already happening. So don't think yourself so lucky that this is not going to be something that you're ever going to experience. Because of all of the timelines that are developing in, in, in front of us, this timeline is looking somewhat likely that you will have to find a level of resilience and a level of capacity to sustain yourself with at least some level of competency away from the systems. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But no matter, preparing in this way is what gives you the kind of power and the kind of courage that if something should go wrong, you will be one of the people that actually lives in service of others because you have skills. Everyone who naively thought that nothing is ever going to happen will be panicking. Curling up in little balls, crying on the floor, killing others for food, whatever it might be. Let's hope this never happens. But I'm telling you, having the power embedded into you, wherein such a scenario doesn't threaten you nearly as much, that is freedom. And that gives you the capacity to become a sovereign agent of your own life that speaks the truth and that does whatever you can to ensure that our future becomes the best 
and most wonderful future that we can possibly imagine. And with that, let's return to nature. I hope my stories today were helpful and inspiring to you. It's uh, really at the very, very height of summer here. And I'm afraid to say we have a bit of a drought going. So many of the birch trees next to me here are very yellow. And as you heard from my experience in the forest, it's certainly very flammable terrain right now. So I wish for a little bit of rain again soon. It would be good for nature, would it be good for the harvest of the farmers and yeah, be good in general. But of course it's lovely to have such a nice warm summer and we're going to go down to swim a bit later today. And I wish for you as well that you enjoy yourself this weekend. Maybe you get a little bit of a taste of nature and maybe even you start feeling called to go deeper into learning some bushcraft or survival skills yourself. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. Always enjoy this and I look forward to speaking again next week. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me in this week's Walking with the Archetypes. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you and don't forget, you are invited to come walk with me next Friday when we will take another deep dive into the archetypal realms. To go deeper with this masculine operating system, head over to MasculineOS.com for a comprehensive free guide.